Thanks for joining us tonight. We're on to our, uh, we're on to the tenth discipline of twelve. Uh, last, no, we weren't. La oh no, we didn't meet last week. Uh, we were enjoying the sun, and um, the week before that, anyway, we were looking at confession. We've we've said that uh, last week, this week, and the next two weeks are um, looking at disciplines that that uh, speak more so to the to the to the corporate body, I suppose. And the first four we're looking at the, I suppose we could divide them up. We can, we don't have to, but we could, we could divide them up into the first four were like the inner disciplines. The second four were outward disciplines, uh, the, the outward expressions of what's been taken place inward. Uh, and then the last four are corporate disciplines. I suppose it's almost like a, it's, we're going to, it feels like we're going, as if this stuff begins to take place and shift and transform our inner being, it automatically, it ultimately overflows into our outward disciplines, and that is ultimately going to affect um, those around us. It's going to affect our corporate, our corporate disciplines, our corporate worship that we're going to talk about tonight. Everything that we do is going to be impacted as as um, all of these other disciplines are being outworked in our lives. Uh, so, confession was the last the last time that we met and then tonight we're going to look at worship and uh and i love it that um don't want to take up a load of time i'm not going to take up a load of time tonight but i would love that if there's anybody has any stories that they could share tonight just to encourage us um maybe even around what we're talking about around worship or just around the disciplines or just around how uh, rhythms that you have found really helpful that could be beneficial to um, others that are listening in here tonight. That would be really great if you felt um, courageous enough to share some of your experience or some of your story. Uh, we could leave some time at the end for that. Let me begin, let me begin tonight by uh, sharing a quote from William Temple. And uh, I feel like I need to I feel like I need to read this slowly for for me to get it, at least. Uh, so to worship, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. Like that's a, you could probably you probably preach a whole sermon just from that one quote, but to worship, to quicken the conscience to the holiness, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by His beauty, to open our hearts to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God, and uh, and I think as we just as we come to to speak about worship tonight. Uh, for me, it is definitely one of those things that I miss most about uh, lockdown, about this these this time that we've been apart, um, that we haven't been able to physically be together in the same room. The thing that I've missed most, uh, and it's not that I don't mind hugging, and, it's, and I do like coffee, and I do like donuts, and all of that other good stuff that comes with being together in the same room, but I have missed worship. I felt like I was even reminded of how much I missed worship when we got together on Sunday afternoon. And uh, I know it wasn't the same. I know we were in our cars, but there was still something about that 
uh, that being together, the gathered community in some way being physically together, uh, that just reminded me how much I have missed worshipping and watching other people worship and engaging together, uh, just crying out uh, to the Lord through our song worship together, singing the same words together, uh, crying out with the same heart together. Um, I've truly missed it. And uh, and the thing about worship is uh, to worship is to feel. It is to experience. Well, this is the goal, isn't it, I suppose? Because we don't always, it doesn't always feel like this. But to worship, to truly worship, is to feel and to experience the resurrected Christ in the midst of a gathered community. Um, that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're longing for. That's when we know it, when, when we've worshipped, when we've had a sense of the presence of the Lord. Uh, the resurrected Christ in the midst of our gathered community. Uh, the, the language Richard Foster uses is being invaded by the Shekinah of God. And, uh, and the Shekinah, it's like, it's, a, it's one of these like, fancy Hebrew words, but it, it just means the weariness, the radiance, the, uh, the, 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 just that tangible, weary radiance of the glory of God being incredibly present uh so i love that i love that language i love the thought of of the truly enter into worship is being invaded by the shekinah of god by the glory by the weary presence of god at john chapter 4 verse 23 it's uh, i think tonight we'll probably be going from verse to verse here again uh it maybe feel like a bit of a sword drill for some people, if you remember that far back. Um, swords and shades, let's go, let's draw the sword. Um, John 4, verse 23, God is seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He is actively, and I think right now, I think this speaks to today, um, God is actively seeking worshipers. He's actively seeking worshipers. Those that will worship in spirit and in truth. And the real, the, what, you know what? The worship, like worship is really just our response to the, to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. It's our response to his goodness. It's our response to, to, to what he has revealed. Like it's divine initiative. Like it is God. God is the one that begins this. He is the one. Uh, that that initiates the, this whole process. Everything finds its its beginning in Him. Alpha Omega, beginning and end. It all finds its its beginning in Him. But he's looking for those that will worship. He is looking for those who who will respond to the heart of the Father. Respond to that overflowing love and kindness and goodness that 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 radiates that emanates from the heart of father god and our and that's why we talk so much about the heart of the father it's why we talk so much about about how how loving he is and how big and wide and massive his love is toward us because he's actively seeking worshipers and if we begin to get a glimpse if we begin to get a, a, an understanding of the heart that he has for us of the of his goodness and mercy that is pursuing us when we understand what is coming from the heart of the Father, worship will be our most natural response. 
as Paul said to the to the church in Rome, to the in Romans twelve verse one, that that, that would just be our, it would just be our reasonable for act of worship would be to surrender all, would be to lay down everything. That's would be to, to lay down our, our whole bodies as a living sacrifice. That's our reasonable act of worship. What else could we do when we get a glimpse of the goodness and the glory of God, for the love that comes from the heart of the Father? What else could we do but worship? And, uh, and so tonight, like, I am aware that many of us come from different backgrounds. We come from different cultures. I don't think, I honestly don't think it's worth spending time speaking of all the different forms of worship. Uh, there's, the, there's some of us that maybe have come from the high church, like the high high liturgy, like um, accustomed to our style of church. There's some that have all just a wide array, more traditional, more conservative, some that have come from more charismatic, more free. But I don't want us to be overly concerned with forms. I don't think that God is overly concerned with the forms that our worship takes. I don't think there's anywhere in the New Testament where he I don't think the New Testament prescribes a particular form of worship. And that's why I don't think form, whatever form our worship takes, is overly important. What is important, what it is that we're that we're seeking is that when this when spirit, when Holy Spirit touches our spirit, the, like all of the other stuff is secondary. Everything else doesn't matter. Whatever it is that ignites the fire within us, whatever it is that causes us to burn, whatever it causes us to ignite with passion. When there's time left over, we'll offer, we'll give whatever we have left to Jesus in worship. Then we'll give him all of our, whatever is left over of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I think there is an order. I think Jesus is really clear. And I think Jesus actually lived it out where he worshipped first and service was second. See, I, I, I want to get to the place where my service, and I think it would be so much easier if, if, if our service flowed from our worship. That we just, we like our service, what we did for our community, what we did for one another, how we loved and served our neighbours and our family, just it just overflowed from a place of worship. Because I think whenever we, when, ser, when service is a substitute for worship, it is idolatry. And I'm so, like, that it re, seems really harsh to say that. And it does sting a wee bit because I'm like, I'm, this is, I'm speaking to me here, honestly. Even if you can't hear me, even if I am going off and on, I, like, I need to hear this. Like, service, we have substituted it. We can, service can be substituted for worship and it's idolatry. See, activity, activity is the enemy of adoration. And uh, I think it was John Tyson. I don't know. Like, I feel like I've heard that many quotes in the last while. I don't know who's it from. Um, and, but it sounds like something John Tyson would say. Activity is the enemy of adoration. See, we, we've got it the wrong way around. Sometimes I think we've, we've, we've served really well. Like, and we've, we've went at it and we've done all that we can to serve and to bless. But it's been at the expense, I think, of worship. And all of our activity and all of our stuff has actually become the enemy of just adoring him and worshipping him with all of our heart, all of our soul, mind, body, and strength. And um, and honestly, like some of that is like truly that some of that is just 
stung a wee bit the last couple of days. But it's like I think it is important for us to to wrestle through with with some of that because I uh, like I'm I really am longing to know God what is it that you're doing and where is it that you're going. And I think that if we, if that is the if that is the longing of our hearts, if we are like collectively, and I think that's why it's corporate. If we collectively are longing to go where God is going, and to and to do what He's doing, that is what's going to move us into a deeper, more authentic place of worship. The, like the deeper that longing is to go where He's going to do what He's doing, I think that the, that 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 pushes us deeper into more place of of worship and uh, so there's a few things that that i that i want to finish with um and i think one of the one of the big things one of the big challenges for me is i look at uh, throughout scripture i think one of the striking features of worship in the bible is that the people gathered uh in such a, a level of holy expectancy the people believed that they were actually going to hear from god Actually, they actually believed that they were going to hear the voice of God. And so I think there's something about there's something about the level of holy expectancy that I think is is a is a feature of worship that I um, I'm longing to see, just even in our own homes. But this is a, like this is a as we think about this as a corporate discipline. And I know we can't do this together yet, but the idea of of being a people that come with holy expectancy, with a holy expectation, believing that we could actually hear, we can actually hear the voice of God. And so, so the question that I'm asking myself, the question I'm asking myself just as a, just as, uh, as a father and a husband in the home is like, how do you cultivate a holy expectancy? So you think about what it is to gather as, as church family, how do we cultivate, how do we cultivate a holy expectancy i think it'd be really helpful for i think i've said this before it'd be helpful for you to to read the likes of frank loback who was a missionary to uh, the philippines and he, he wrote uh, he wrote a, a small little book um letters of a modern mystic and and uh, don't be put off by the word mystic like he's he he's just um he just passionately was pursuing continually constantly what it was like to continually be could it was is it possible to find yourself continuously in the presence of the lord and so the little book that he's written is just his journal of like the ups and downs of pursuing the presence of jesus and and then brother lawrence is a book practicing the presence of god and he says i he says i cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of god and so I suppose that's in some way, like, and even that, like, how, how do you even get to that stage? But I suppose that's how you begin to cultivate this holy expectancy, is that it is possible to punctuate every moment with worship. It is possible to punctuate uh, every moment with adoration and, 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 and worship and love and believing that you can hear his whisper, believe that he's always there, consciously aware of his presence, of his nearness. And for me, I know that we can't do this right now. I think we could do it on our Sunday afternoons in the car park. But there is, there, there is something happens when more than one person, when you've got two or three or, 
or a group of people that come into public worship with a holy expectancy, something definitely changes uh, the atmosphere. Something shifts in the room. There's an atmosphere change in the room and more and more people, if you're getting the majority of people, you get more and more people to enter into public worship with that holy expectancy. I think it's going to, it shifts the atmosphere, changes the atmosphere in a room. And something does happen when we get together and uh, we're not able to do that. Uh, and I miss it, as I said. That's why I think Sunday was so good. Um, because that, that the, this quinonia word, it's like, it's a familiar word in the Paul, but it's this deep inward fellowship, this deep inward fellowship in the power of the Spirit. So that's what I'm missing. That's what we're, that's what we're missing out on at the moment. Um, I know this is good. This is, this is helpful. Like this is a, this is a gift to us. There's something about stepping into a room with holy expectation and a deep inward fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit that, that I think that we could cultivate, that I think that we could uh, practice, discipline ourselves that whenever we come back into public worship, there will be something that will just automatically be in the room whenever we come with that level of expectancy. I suppose I want to. Uh, like I don't sound negative, but sometimes I think we can become. Don't I don't want to contradict myself either, but sometimes we can become too reliant on the on an atmosphere. Like, and I hope you know what I mean when I say that. Sometimes, like, we think if there's a certain worship leader doesn't show up with a certain instrument or whatever that we think that we're going to miss out. Like sometimes we be, we become so reliant on the personality. We become so reliant on uh, whatever chord it is that the worship leader plays that automatically the Holy Spirit comes. And we, we can become so reliant on that. And maybe that's why this we can in this stripping back, we can learn just to just to worship in spirit and truth. We just learn what it is to practice the presence of God in our own homes with our with our own families. Um Oh man, there's so much more here that I've that I've written down. Um, we can't become reliant on, on on one leader, and I'm grateful. And so, don't again, don't hear me wrong because human leaders are really important. Human leaders are anointed to lead us to the holy of holies. Like, so please make sure that I'm not misheard. But genuine, I think genuine worship has only one leader, and it's Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the our one is the genuine only uh, leader when it comes to genuine worship. He is alive and he is present among us. And whatever it is that he teaches, he will give us the power to obey it. And if, and and as and, and as the leader of worship, then it's it's on Jesus who who prophesies. It's on him how the gifts are distributed. It's a hymn that decides what human means will be used. And thank God and he does, he partners with us, this kingdom come. And he anoints human leaders uh, to lead people, to bring people through the outer courts, into the inner courts and right into the Holy of Holies. Um, so there's there's avenues of worship uh, there's, and we've talked about we've talked about this before. We've talked about silence, uh, and I think that the idea of silence when we live with this um, 
the idea of just listening to the voice of God, listening um, so that God is the source of our words and our actions. Habakkuk 2 verse 20 is this line that the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. There's something about that just that just evokes worship. Like, like as he's in his holy temple, and that, like now in us, like let us, let all the earths wait in silence before him and worship him because of who he is and worship him because of what he's done. And what I want to talk about praise as well. It's another one of those avenues, another one of those key avenues to worship. And I don't know if anybody's ever uh, said that your feelings or your emotions aren't important when it comes to praise and to worship. If, that, if you've ever been told that, I want to suggest that them people are wrong because emotions need to be brought into the act of worship. They need to be brought into the act of worship. Feelings are a legitimate part of our humanity and they should be, they should be used in our worship. And again, I think that's why, like for me, I speak for myself and, and I know others among us, I think that's um, even why tongues is such a gift to us, it's such a gift to people that, that we move from, from just mere rational worship into, in, into inward communion. See, that's why, and, that, and that's why it needs, our emotions need to be involved. It can't just be, it cannot just be a rational thing. It can't just be a thing that we, we worship with our minds. Like our minds do play a part, but our feelings, our whole being gets involved in the act of worship. Um, and I do believe with all my heart that God calls for worship that involves our whole being. Worship should include our body. And I know in Northern Ireland we struggle with the idea of, like, of, of, of dancing before the Lord, but worship should involve, like, it should involve our whole body. And so maybe not getting to the stage where we're ready to dance but if you, like if we were to go back into the Old Testament and we'll like we'll see how the word worship is translated, like it literally means to lie prostrate, to lie prostrate. That like that involves your body, that involves your that involves your physical being getting involved in worship. And the word bless, we see it particularly in the Psalms. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord. And this it's this word barak, which means to bow down. And even the idea, even the idea of thanksgiving, it is roughly translated as the extension of the hand. And so all of all of these things that that uh, in our worship, like it involves our whole being. And so if I can just say this, and I say this again, really sensitively, because I know that I know the, the the pushback could be, but that like that's not my personality. Like I, I I'm. I'm not that way inclined or I like, I'm just not comfortable with that. And that's fair enough. But I want to suggest this. I like this question was, was posed to me as I sat before the Lord one time and it was along the lines of not what meets my needs, but what is it that God requires? And what, not what type of worship is it that suits my needs, but what is the type of worship that God requires? And that shifts it slightly for me. Because as I go back and see the type of worship that God is, the type of worshippers that he's seeking, the type of worship that we see right through it, it involves our whole being. It involves lying our face down before him. It, it, it means getting on our knees before him with arms high and heart abandoned to the one who gave it all. 
And so it involves our whole being. And so I'm not like, please don't like we're not we're not now going to start dictating that if you're not if you're not on the ground on your knees on your face hands in the air you're not entering into worship. But I do want to suggest that maybe you would ask that question. You maybe challenge yourself with that idea, not what is it that meets my needs, but what is it that God requires? What is it that God is asking? And um, and yeah, that is <laughs> more pages. I'm not. I'm honestly stopping here. But worship to finish with this. Worship begins. It begins in holy expectancy, but it ends in holy obedience. And Richard Foster said. Richard Foster says this, which so provokes me. If it does not propel us to greater obedience, it has not been worship. Like. Like honestly, that's still like that. That catches me. It does not propel us to greater obedience. It has not been worship. If it does not propel us, I'm just letting this sink in. Like if it does not propel us to greater obedience, it has not been worship. <laughs>